We're ready to go then. Let's go. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the That Time When podcast. It's been a while since I've said hello, everybody, like that. And uh, joining me once again for a, another episode is Tommy and Dan. Hello, Tommy and Dan. Hello. Hello. How are we both? Are we good? Not too shabby. Not too shabby, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. T- I'm doing ready to ready to talk about Formula One once again. Right today, we are going to be talking about that time when Nelson Piquet crashed on purpose. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Get, Get out, out my, my head. head. Jinx. Wow. Okay, that was that was actually really weird. That wasn't even planned. Uh, right. So we're going to talk about the uh, very controversial incident that happened uh, in the first ever Singapore Grand Prix, the first ever Formula One night race. And my goodness me, did we have some controversy? As uh, it's quite a special one. It was. And Nelson Piquet, obviously, uh, racing for Renault alongside Fernando Alonso. Not not shy of controversy himself. No, no. And uh, those two racing together, Renault weren't too shabby back then, although they had quite average pace, but Alonso doing Alonso things. Yeah, Alonso had just left uh, McLaren the previous year after his kind of spat with Hamilton. Uh, Those two didn't get on very well at all. And Alonso kind of jumped back to Renault after he'd won the title with them in 2006, went to McLaren, got, you know, had the Hamilton thing, and, uh, yeah, ended up back with Renault. But back then in 2008, they weren't particularly strong like they were in 2006. No, it seemed like once Alonso left the following year, the team just sort of dropped down to, like, best of the rest in the midfield sort of position. Um, Which is still, I guess, when you look at, modern times right now what they'd probably take because uh, they're not even best of the rest at the moment yeah they're like, taking they're Monza, before before this race did they did Alonso score a podium before this race I uh, don't think he had no PK had there hadn't he P- oh yeah, yeah lucky a very lucky safety car race in Hockenheim but that was pretty much his only point scoring Interesting that that was also a safety car that caused uh, certain results. Interesting stuff. So Alonso had been rather impressive during practice. uh, And then we moved to qualifying, where Alonso had been one of the favourites for pole. Which, uh, why was he the favourite for pole, considering it was an average car? Because he was a beast at Singapore, as he proved in subsequent years, I would guess. He was just a beast. Yeah, he was was Fernando Alonso. He was was fastest in uh, practice two and three, which, um, and yeah, he went into... Uh, qualifying, let's say, as a favourite, which was very surprising. The title that year was very much between Ferrari and uh, McLaren. At that point, it was Hamilton versus and Massa. Then, and then even if those weren't performing that well, it would be like a, you'd expect BMW Sauber to be yeah. up there, not Alonso in the Renault. So this was 2008, just to clarify. Just to clarify, yes, yeah. Uh, 2008, so... Um, Renault, as we've mentioned, weren't up there winning races, but Alonso looking very good. But he had a car issue in qualifying. In and Q- In Q2, yeah. What happened? Uh, he had a, a, a engine leak, was it? Or something? I think it was like a fuel fuel pump leak. Yeah. Off, like a really small, pitiful problem that cost him everything. But yeah, he was doing well in, in Q1. Uh, you know, looked set that it was going to be a really interesting shootout with him involved but yeah in q2 he had a car failure quite early on in the session i seem to remember because he didn't set a time at all yeah uh, which put him 15th on the grid now we move to the race where mm. was it master on pole yes yeah in the ferrari uh so massa led the race from hamilton at the start the two main title rivals yeah uh and then on lap 12 this is where 
the plan begins to unravel. I wonder how many people knew about this in Renault. We'll talk about that very shortly. But Alonso was the first car to pit. And was it quite a surprising thing to see him pit that early? Lap 12. Suspiciously early, you might say. Hmm. A 61 lap race. Um, It was a two-stop race. People were doing... uh, Yeah. A lot of cars were doing two stops. Uh, But yeah, it, it was maybe very early. It's one of those things. It's like you could kind of... In a normal situation, you could see why they might do it to sort of undercut people and maybe gain some positions. But generally, if you're a fast car back then, starting at the back, you run heavy on fuel at the start. And this is when we had refueling. When you had refueling. refueling. You'd move up the order when everyone pitted on more regular strategies, set a load of fast laps on light fuel, and then hope to move up the order and then hope maybe a safety car would come out at the right time. But I guess that works when you stop early as well. And that was, I guess, what you described there was the overcut in 2008 terms. It wasn't just the fact of going long on your tyres. It was also having much more fuel. So you would be even slower at the start of the race yeah. to then really pump in the lap times uh, towards the end of the stint. So uh, and you didn't. It, this was the Bridgestone era as well, where it wasn't necessarily like the whole tyres were falling off a cliff after a few laps. Basically because you, you had to, yeah. not because yeah, you not because you needed to. Yeah. yeah, It was more fuel determined when you were stopping, not tyres. Yeah. Okay, so the first, well, the the main incident to happen was uh, two laps after Fernando Alonso pits. His teammate heavily crashes at turn 17, which is just before the bridge. Just before the, where they go past the grandstand by the water and they cut under the grandstand. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, where... uh, Final sector. Where we've seen quite a few people crash, right? Uh, Yeah, not into the wall under the grandstand, but before that. Yeah. He lit up the rear tyres, spun round, smacked it into the wall in reverse, caused quite a lot of damage. It's funny because on the warm-up lap, he had a spin as well. Yeah, because I feel like that video only surfaced maybe a year later. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where um, a fan probably caught it and never thought anything of it. And then when this whole Crashgate scenario came out, uh, someone uploaded it and everyone was like, oh, is this him practicing a spin, essentially? Mm. And it probably was, wasn't it? it could well it, have been, yeah, it, getting, yeah it seeing how he did it. Because, yeah, I guess he wanted to work out exactly how he crashes so that he doesn't hurt himself, but also crashes, right? Yeah. Okay, so... Enough to cause a safety car, yes. which did happen. Yeah, so the safety car came out. There was a huge... It was a pretty huge collision, wasn't it, in the sense of there was quite a bit of debris uh, everywhere. It was very much a, this is going to be a safety car. There was no hesitation, especially with the fact it's a street circuit, right? Yeah. Um, and then the pit lane became quite the chaotic place to be. Uh, the Red Bulls and Barrichello pit just before the pit lane was closed, because is that still a thing? So, no, so, being so this was an era where um, they would close the pit lane when a safety car came out, Yeah, um, and you weren't allowed to enter the pit. It's something uh, that IndyCar do, it's I to, believe. I think they did it to stop drivers when there was a potential incident on track from driving back at full speed to get to the pit to gain an advantage to gain basically. an advantage um which they don't do now because they've got the time dials they've got to stick to and everything yeah yeah well, uh, they didn't have that at the time um, so they just closed the pits to stop anyone from rushing back rushing basically. back yeah so what so what happened in this incident was the uh red bulls and barry kello um managed to pit before the pit lane was closed um obviously they they saw the crash and could dive into the pits then they closed the pit lane, uh, but in an era where refueling is still a thing, Sometimes you, you did have pit. a lot of incidents where people had to pit. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, if you're running out of fuel, you can't just not pit because the pits are closed. You've got yeah. to come in. But and you'll take the penalty. So the take penalty, a penalty. Which yeah. is odd because in IndyCar, like you say, they do the same thing. But I think if you've got to pit, you're allowed to take on like under a certain amount of fuel without penalty as long as you stop again when the pits are open okay, again. So, that's yeah. so, that, so there are ways that they could have done it, but F1 just sort of said, no, we'll close the pits and then didn't think about any of the other scenarios. The fact that there is yeah. fuel that is needed yeah. for the yeah. cars to go <laughs> and round. And car goes, well, I could take a penalty or I will retire from the race. I yeah. think I'll take a penalty. And obviously, Nico Rosberg did this and Kubica, and it worked out in his favour quite massively. And when the pit lane opened, obviously everyone else came into the pits. Massa had a, a little, well, quite the um, dramatic exit to the pits, didn't he? he yeah. Uh, decided to maybe wanted a bit more fuel and uh, continued with the fuel hose still attached to his car, which was, I think, has been used quite a lot as a clip, hasn't it, for, for Formula yeah, One? Yeah, it was and, quite yeah. a pivotal moment in the title as well that. They, yeah. It was very much a kind of back and forth battle between Massa and Hamilton, and and Massa looked almost sure on to take a win there. Yeah, yeah. Until this incident, um, I believe I'm right in saying that this was an era where they were just starting to develop a light system yeah, that replaced yeah. a lollipop man. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the exact ins and outs of it, but obviously. Massa, I think, got a green light to it go because someone presses. I think it's one of the guys it. in the pit lane got a bit excited because obviously the uh, it was the, the pits was rammed, so obviously you want to get out ahead of everyone. Mm. And I think the guy that was controlling the lights just saw a gap and just, was like, just, "Go, go. Oh, oh, oh no, they've not yeah. finished the pit stop yet. <laughs> they've not finished the fuel, and it ripped the fuel hose completely off." And Massa drove down to the exit uh, of the pit lane. Didn't another stopped. team take it out, or was that another race? I can't remember. I remember, I remember, I think there's a video where Ferrari are like running down the pits and other teams are like applauding and laughing, kind of like <laughs> a cool running style moment <laughs> where they're running to like push him back and take the fuel out. Uh, but yeah, it was a very dramatic moment, which obviously Hamilton had a okay pit stop. Um, but Massa very much, you know, he was on 10 points for a win back then good for the, his championship challenge and ended up with nothing because of it because it completely ruined his race yeah he got probably got a penalty for an unsafe release as yeah. well, i think didn't he say so, yeah just yeah. completely dropped back out of contention and that cost him didn't it in it the uh, in the overall standings at the end uh so coming back to the race now after this uh pit lane chaos we had nico rosberg leading from trilly fisichella kubitza then alonso weber coulthard and then hamilton so rosberg was was leading and but he hadn't pitted he had pitted. He pitted. Well, he had pitted when the pits were closed. Yeah, so he'd pitted when right. the pits were closed, and um, so everyone pretty much was on a two-stop. Uh, Rosberg had pitted, and um, he obviously took the penalty because he was running out of fuel. Yeah, but he was now net leader. Um, but because what was the penalty? Uh, uh, drive through. Drive through. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the race actually panned out where um, Rosberg could lead away and build up such a lead that he would take his drive through and end up net second place behind Alonso. And that was all thanks to uh, Yano Trulli, who, the if you don't train. know... Wasn't it Fisichella? Uh, Yano Trulli was uh, uh, on a one-stop, I read, that he was um, kind of blocked a lot of people. But Fisichella was... Because that was Force India's first year 
and they were rubbish that year. So Fisichella up in third was. And was he on high? I, I think he was well. on a one stop, and I think he was primarily oh. the one holding everyone oh, up. Hello, oh. a bit of contention here. Oh. In I don't the, know. Uh, That's just from memory. All oh, right, I, <laughs> I trust Dan over anything that you've read. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Well, I read. I read that it was a, a true, a classic, truly train, which. Um, oh. Oh, let me have, a, to let find me have this a cheeky out. check. Okay, whilst you check that, um, obviously you say that Rosberg led away, and then Alonso went into. Uh, sorry, Rosberg came into the pits, and then Alonso led the race and won from there, and taking Renault's first win since two thousand and six. It was it was both of them. It was truly in a Toyota and Fisichella in a Force India, and they were both heavily fueled, which allowed Rosberg to. Oh, a substantial lead. So you're both right. But then it was truly at the front of it. So technically, Tommy was right. So we had a truly train. A truly with train. With Fizzy involved. A, a truly a double, Keller. Maybe it was a Rosberg train just with the, the front engine further away from the carriages. <laughs> maybe. Uh, either way, there was a train which was helped very much by Truly and Fizzy Keller. Truly, obviously. An known. Italian train. N- yes, there yeah. you go. Okay. Uh, truly was always known for his qualifying performances, but then had absolutely no race pace. Is that right? Yeah, hence yeah. the Truly train. Yes. So. That's not where it ends, though. That's not the end of the story, is it? By any stretch of the imagination, the aftermath. So Nelson Piquet was dropped by Renault in August 20, uh, 2019, I was about to say. Wow. Yeah. Last month, last uh, month. 2009, uh, and replaced by Mr. Grosjean. Yeah, we should probably say that Nelson Piquet was pretty terrible. He was he had an awful year. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, he had one lucky podium. I think he was all right. At the second half of 2008, it seemed like he was getting it slightly together like yeah i think it was was similar to the alonso and van dorn situation where it's like the thing is you really judge someone against alonso yeah um but yeah he he hadn't been all too he was terrible in 2009 but 2009 he had an absolutely woeful year barely scored any points and that was obviously it got to the final straw where they said we're gonna have to drop this guy mid-season so a few days later after being dropped uh, the Bra- Brazil TV reported PK claimed he was told to crash on purpose <gasps> to help Alonso yeah. win, and an FIA investigation was launched. Things obviously from there got very bitter between Renault team boss Flavio Briatore, uh, who's not the most boring man to ever watch in the F1 paddock, was he? Uh, and Nelson PK, and and then it went to court at the World Motorsports Council meeting in September. So not too long. And yeah, the the dates that actually happened quite quickly. So uh, it was the third of August when Nelson Piquet was dropped. My sister's then, birthday. There you go. Happy birthday, Virginia. <laughs> when, when that <laughs> uh, the thirtieth of August uh, was when um, the report started appearing on uh, Brazilian news that Nelson Piquet had said that he'd been that he'd he'd had to do this. Uh, 4th of September, so not very long after, is when the FIA investigated it. Um, and then that's when like the World Motorsport Council got involved, which happened on the 21st of September 2009 in Paris. Quick, it's not like you just read any of that. No. Uh, all, all off the top of my head, honestly. The brain. And, yeah. uh, and the result of all of this was that Renault was given a suspended ban for two years. So by suspended ban, basically means don't do it again. And if you do it, you're out. You're out forever. Yeah. Um, so basically a slap on the wrists really for Renault in, in in a lot of ways. But I think they've had they've done a few suspended bans before. I think Michael Schumacher got one, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. It's one of those things where it's it sounds harsher than it is. Because mm. you read ban and go, Oh, that's really bad, but it's they not, wouldn't. It's a black and white flag from Monza. Yeah, there you go. 
There you go. Boom. Uh, and then Flavio Briatore was banned indefinitely from any FIA sanctioned event, while Pat Simmons received a five year ban. Now, that's pretty fair. So, it, Pat really? Simmons, uh, do you want to tell people who Pat Simmons is just because he was quite a big player? Yeah, he was player. basically. He was uh, the a really like well known engineer, sort of like up there with like not in terms of skill necessarily as Adrian Newey, but yeah. like that sort of big name. And yeah. he won championships with Schumacher and Benetton in the nineties and stuff. Um, yeah, and it was basically apparently it was him the who ordered or, Nelson Piquet. Or it, it came from him yeah. apparently. I read that Nelson Piquet said that Pat Simmons told him to do it. And Pat Simmons told uh, told everyone that Nelson Piquet had the idea, and told, and obviously they couldn't prove either of it. Why would Nelson um, Piquet? I don't yeah. exactly. Why, why would, would he want? He, yeah. why, why would he want to cash on Maybe like, in the hope of like, oh, can I have a drive for next year? Yeah, yeah because like, because he hadn't been performing particularly amazing, especially yeah. you know, like we said earlier, years against Alonso. But there was talk of him being dropped. I remember at the time, and. Maybe it was a way to be like, look, I can. I'm a stay team player. A, I'm a team player. A very extreme. Uh, <laughs> I guess team if you player. look at it that way, it makes more sense that it maybe was Nelson PK purely because if they knew they were going to drop Nelson anyway, why would they put? Why would Renault put themselves in that position where they're like, we're going to tell this driver that we're about to drop to crash into a wall? Whereas if it's Nelson saying, oh, I could do this for you guys, could do you mm. solid, and then he got dropped anyway. I don't know. It's difficult because it was always going to. They surely must have always known that if ever they fired Nelson Piquet, this would come yeah, out. Yeah. Um, even if it was years later, maybe they thought, you know, he might release it in a book in like 10 years' time and not spill the beans so quickly. Um, but it's worth mentioning that Nelson Piquet was given uh, immunity from any sort of punishment because he, He'd you know, like, you know, like uh, people do mm-hmm. in. In, 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 in shows, and, in shows where, like crime dramas yeah. and stuff, where they help. I'll tell you, but I need immunity. Catch the bigger criminal and get sent to prison. Take down the whole of Renault. (gasps) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So yeah, he was given immunity and uh, Renault title sponsor ING pulled out immediately, which uh, you can't blame them for. Didn't this happen at Singapore, like ahead of the Singapore weekend the following year? It did. And then Alonso got a podium. Alonso got a podium and even funnier was in free practice in the very first session, Roman Grosjean (laughs) spun off. Um, the in same the cor- same corner <laughs> yes. and went back into the wall and uh, it cut immediately to the Renault pit wall and uh, Bob Bell who was the guy that replaced Briatore I believe oh, yeah, yeah I it so. cut to him and he was sort of laughing about it <laughs> saying like you either laugh or you cry at that point don't yeah. you yeah I guess it was his first uh, was it his first race in charge I, I think, think it must because have been, it yeah. was happening yeah and yeah Renault had um, they arrived at the race with uh, the ING all their sponsorship removed and it just said Renault on the side. Um, but yeah, it was a big, a big one for a big to boy. that race. A very big boy. Um, now the question I'm going to pose to each of you and I want a definitive answer from it. Did Fernando Alonso know? No. Tommy? It's really difficult to know. Okay, what um, do you think, Dan? Why do you say um, no? Because at the time he won the race, uh, there was a lot of speculation that, uh, Alonso had like a clause in his contract that he could leave Renault if they didn't win a race. So Renault wanted him to win in order to keep him for another year because there was talk at the time because it was the whole, uh, what's it called? The market crash. Uh, oh, yeah. The yeah, recession. Yeah. The recession. And yeah. all the manufacturers were pulling out and Renault was reportedly one of them. 
But if they've got Alonso in their car, then obviously that's going to convince them to stay in the sport. Yeah. Um, I'm so, right in saying, ironically, Alonso won the very next he race. He won the next race fairly. completely fairly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, if that's if they really did fix it for Alonso to stay with the team... They shot themselves th- in the foot, They shot themselves in the foot because they won the next race anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... And that was before any of the whole suspicion about Crashgate came out. So I think that if that was the case then it would make sense that Renault would, or that not necessarily Renault, but Briatore and Simons or Simmons could then go to the board and say, hey, look, we've got a race-winning car in Fernando Alonso. You've got to stay in the sport. So it was at this point the computer we recorded the podcast on ironically crashed. Thankfully, there was not much left of the discussion and we'll be back next week for the Singapore Grand Prix review. See you next time.